Praise the Lord for the Lamb. Thank you, ladies, for that. Let's turn our Bibles to Joshua chapter 3 this morning. Good to see you today, and hope that you've been keeping well. And uh, appreciate just uh, your faithfulness, church, this morning. Thank you for coming along. And know that sometimes we have days like this where it's a bit rainy and all of that, and you're tempted to feel like staying home. Um, but you're here, so I'm glad for that. Joshua chapter 3, and um, last week we looked at the, some lessons on crossing the Red Sea. And we're fast-forwarding now in the, the history of the nation of Israel, and they're encountering, encountering another body of water, another challenge that's in front of them. And it's 40 years now, and there's a new generation that's come about, and we know the, the story a little bit, perhaps, that the previous generation had gone into unbelief, and because of that, they weren't permitted to go into the promised land. They've encountered in, in that time, these 40 years, some times of lack, and yet God and His faithfulness continued to supply. When they were athirst, God provided water through a rock. When they cried for food, God rained down manna from heaven. When they wanted something else, God sent quails. And so this was the generation that had gone through that, and all of this was due to God's promise to preserve them rather than really the, the, the faithfulness of the people. When you look at their whole journey, they were still very much complaining. There were times where they whined and even um, looked back and said, well, it'd be better for us to have gone back. And yet, here they are. They're at the entrance of the promised land, this generation that was preserved and God allowed into, who's going to allow into the land. And now they're under the new leadership of not Moses, but of Joshua. And what we find is something that was at the beginning of their journey to the promised land is something similar to, to them entering in. They just encountered another obstacle. And this new generation, they had another thing to look to, to another challenge, and this Jordan River was now ahead of them. And this river flowing southward from all its sources in the mountainous area where Israel, Syria, and Lebanon met, the Jordan River passed through the Sea of Galilee and ends in the Dead Sea. It's a, a large part of its 320-kilometer length from the border between Israel and Jordan in the north and West Bank and Jordan in the south. So it was a significant landmark. And the, the river falls 950 meters from its source to the Dead Sea, and for most of its course down the Jordan Valley, it flows well below sea level. And there's an old song that says that the River Jordan is deep and wide, but if you look at the modern river, it's neither. It's a place that's more like a creek. It's less than 10 meters across and 2 meters deep, but in biblical times, until about the, the middle of the 20th century, Seasonal flooding in winter and spring expanded its, its width to about 1.5 kilometers. So when we're reading this this morning, the, we read there that the Jordan overfloweth all his, all his banks all the time of harvest. That's what we're talking about. It was at a time where it was, it was flooded. It was at a time when it was at its, its most difficult to cross. And so here they were again in, in somewhat familiar but different circumstances uh, facing another challenge, facing another obstacle to get to the will of God. Um, they were so close, they could see the other side, and 
Perhaps they could already taste somewhat the giant fruit that Joshua and Caleb had so vividly described, the, the only holdovers from the previous generation. And they, they perhaps saw what was ahead of them. And the question that was being asked of them again was, how will they respond? How are they now going to, to look at that and, and get across? And, and what we see here is somewhat familiar, but it was slightly different. And, you know, the, I began to think about that and began to think about the fact that, you know, in, in life you, you may have encountered some Red Seas, but if you journey long enough and you stick to it long enough, you're also going to have to go through some Jordan Rivers as well. There's going to be a repetition of some things. There's going to be some somewhat familiar things that you're going to have to encounter to get through to the will of God that you're going to have to then recognize that there's some patterns in how you respond. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning, just some lessons on the Jordan River crossing. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless, and we'll get into the message this morning. Let's pray. Father, again, we, we're thankful, dear Lord, for this morning. We're thankful for the time that we can open your word and, again, Lord, be challenged by it. And, Lord, many times when we open it, especially in these familiar stories, we can somewhat just, just be too familiar and, and sort of turn our our minds off. I pray that you'd just prevent us to do that. I pray that you'd just help us, Lord, to glean the things that we need today. And Father, we're recognizing, Lord, that we're, we're in a world that's ever-changing. And yet, Lord, there's just the, the absolute truth of your word that we can cling to, that the fact that, Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're glad that we can see, Lord, just how we're supposed to uh, respond in, in times when there's obstacles, when there's challenges. And I pray that you would please help us because there's many times where we'll encounter these things in our lives. And so I pray that you'd help. I pray that you'd speak to us as we open your word today. In Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. Notice a couple of things. Notice, firstly, just by way of contrast, that there was a bit of a different attitude. You remember our lesson from last week that, that the, the pressing matter was not just the Red Sea in front of them, but the fact that there was the, the Egyptian army behind them and we see God's deliverance in that. They, they stood still and saw the salvation of the Lord. And, and what we find here is there was no sense of panic. You understand that, that whilst this was a body of water that they needed to cross again, it wasn't as menacing as the Red Sea, and it wasn't as urgent as having an Egyptian army behind them. And the contrast here was there's no sense of panic. And perhaps it's because God had proven once and again this was now... Uh, a people that had gone through uh, 40 years of journeying in the wilderness. And, and, and whilst God had, in His judgment, uh, not allowed a previous generation to follow through, this generation grew up seeing God work. This generation grew up seeing God was able over and over again to, to, to deliver them in, in their time of need. And, you know, if you've seen God do something over and over again, wouldn't your attitude change? Wouldn't you have to have somewhat something to hold on to to remind yourself that God was able? And we see that the contrast was that their attitude was a bit different. There was no sense of panic. It was a different group of people, actually. It was no longer those just coming out of slavery from Egypt. It was those going, to, um, going with Joshua now, this new generation. It was no longer those who were looking at Moses with the rod that signified God's presence, they now have the Ark of the Covenant that would lead the way. 
And we saw, we see this earlier on in, in, in Joshua chapter 3, look at verse 3. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. So now it's, it's a people who are looking to Joshua and looking to the ark of the Lord as, as, a, as a symbol, as, a, as, a, um, as by way of leading, in not just Moses and his rod now. Now we know that the, part of the contents of the Ark of the Covenant included Moses' rod. It included a, an ephah of, of, um, of manna that God said put in there as a testimony. It included the, the tablets of stone that contained the Ten Commandments that, that God had written down for Moses there the second time he had put that in that Ark of Covenant. It was a, really what it was. Not only was it a representation of the presence of God, it was also a testimony of who God is and what He had done. And so what we see in, in that is that the representation there at the banks of the Jordan River was greatly different to those that were represented at the Red Sea crossing. And the context of what we're speaking about today is they were really in a place of transition. They were really in a place where literally the, the potential of the promised land was right ahead of them. It wasn't just this, uh, this sort of story that, that, that they told each other to give each other hope. No, literally they could see it if they could just get through this whole challenge, this whole this through time. Uh, they could just get through this time where they, they needed to get across. They were in a transition. At the beginning of the book of Joshua, it's very clear, Moses, my servant is dead. Right? And they were under Joshua's leadership now. This generation, the, the, the generation that doubted and, and, and believed the evil report of those spies had all died in the wilderness. And they were at the end of their journey, but really at, also at the beginning of a new one. They were at the cusp of entering into the promised land. This was a new era. You know, they, they somewhat had seen all of what God has done and, and Perhaps they'd heard the story of the Red Sea crossing, and I can imagine Joshua and Caleb retelling that over and again. And, and so somewhat, this was somewhat familiar. In a sense, they knew that some things would come, and yet here it was literally in front of them. There was this, this, this new challenge that was ahead. And, you know, there's sometimes the, the previous generation tells stories, right? I'm, I'm finding myself doing that with my kids. When I was your age right? Back in my day, and maybe some here who've told their stories, some that have said, look, we went through this, and maybe you're hearing that and you're seeing some similarities as you go into your season now. And it's good to hold on to that. It's good to, to listen to that, but it's totally different than to then encounter it yourself. Now something's ahead of you, perhaps, now there's something that you're finding is an, a bit of an obstacle to, to getting to the will of God or, or seeing the will of God come to be in your life. And, and what Joshua called for at this time, notice with me in verse 5, he, he called for some sanctification. And Joshua said unto the people after God had told him, look, tomorrow you're going to cross. Notice his instruction to the people, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, 
take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. There was a bit of a criteria. He said, you know, we're going to see God work, but we're going to need to sanctify ourselves. This wasn't a ceremonial cleansing. When we, we saw, see that word sanctify, it, it can mean a, uh, several things. In this sense, it's speaking about just getting right with God. Just making sure that, that you, you've dedicated yourself, you've set it yourself apart for God's use. The, the way they were going to, uh, to conquer this, this obstacle was to get right with God. Just to make sure that they were clean before the Lord, to make sure that they were committed, to make sure that they had set themselves apart for the usage of God. You know, they were about to encounter some great things. They were about to conquer a land that had been promised to them. And what they needed to hear and what they needed to understand was they needed to be committed for the cause. And this wasn't just a ceremonial cleansing, but a time when each household would submit themselves to be used of God. And then the purpose of it we find in chapter 4. Look at chapter 4 now. So they cross over the, the Jordan and notice the instruction then following verse 1. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of the, every tribe a man. And command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Notice instruction, twelve stones. And ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. So there was a representative of each tribe. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan. And take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. So said, take one stone, put it in the midst. Why? That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers. So he's not just concerned about the current generation and the, the challenge ahead and the obstacle that they were about to face. He had already given instruction how, to, how they were going to encounter that, how they were, they were going to overcome that. He was also concerned with the coming generation. He says, when your children ask their fathers, that's you, in time to come saying, what mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And so he's saying, this is going to be your testimony to the generation you're going to give birth to, that, that God has been at work even now. And he, he's saying here that part of my pattern, part of the, the reason why I allow you to come to times where there's an obstacle in your life, where there's a challenge, where there's a bit of hardship that you're going to have to figure out and I'm going to have to instruct you through, is so that we, you can testify of what God has done in your life. It's meant to be a mile marker so that the next generation can, can look at that and ask the questions and that you can give a definitive answer to. You know, sometimes when we go through challenges in our lives, and, and so maybe we could act like those that were at the Red Sea and, and have a bit of panic, and yet God still in His faithfulness gets us through. Sometimes we forget that these things are patterns that, that we're supposed to show for the next generation. That's why I want to tell you 
this morning, the way you respond to hardships and to challenges and to obstacles in your life doesn't just matter for you. It matters for those that will follow us. It matters for those that we're going to hand the work to. It matters for those that you're raising in your home. It matters. And so we better respond in faith. We better respond the way God wants us to because it's not, we shouldn't be so short-sighted to think that it's just about us. It's about what's to come. It's about understanding that the will of God doesn't, doesn't finish with you it ought to be passed on and it ought to be patterned for the next generation. And so what can we learn considering all of these as we think about this, this Jordan River crossing? What we find firstly as we think about it this morning, although God's will includes obstacles, they also include patterns to follow. So there's patterns here. So they entered into a new era and, and actually... Every generation gets a chance to work and labor and live for the Lord. As they entered into a new era, God had allowed them to come through the wilderness. And so he allows an obstacle also to welcome them into the land. This was the gateway to the promised land. We read it earlier, but once they passed over Jordan, they encountered what city? Jericho, right? Jericho was another obstacle. Jericho was another uh, another insurmountable force that they could look at and go, what are we going to do here? And, you know, the strange battle plan that God then gave them. But this was the gateway. This was the, the entry to the promised land. And this was God's will. And what we note then is God then opens up new opportunities. When when He does so, He does so with some testing. It's a, with a measure of testing. And we're going to be tested in some ways. We're going to be tested in the pattern that God's given us. You know, um, in, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 13, we, we looked at it last week. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. This was a visible, this was something that they could see, that they could look at. You remember they came out of Egypt and there was nothing except their memories of the plagues and all of that, how God delivered them. There was nothing, so God provided a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. This was a visible, it was something that they could look to, to lead them and to guide them. And so God did that. Then he gives them the ark. He tells Moses, look, set aside. He told them the pattern of the ark. And he said, set aside the, the, uh, the rod that budded. Set aside an, an ephah of, of manna. Set aside the tablets of stone that I gave you the law and put it in this box and it's going to be the ark of the Lord. And that's going to be the thing that you're going to carry around that's going to be a testimony. It's going to be a visible representation of all that God had done. And so he, he, he does that even in the middle of their journeying through the wilderness. He tells them in that time where they, they, they again, they complain and God sends some serpents to to harm them, to remind them of their, uh, just their, their, their mindset. And the Lord says in Numbers 21.8, The Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bidden, notice this, when he looketh upon it shall live. Last week, um, someone sent me a photo, one of our signs had a snake on it. One of our signs that said, Good Shepherd Baptist Church, there was a snake on it, right? 
And I was like, oh, no, is that a negative? What's that mean? And, and someone told me, no, no, it's pastor. It's just like the fiery serpent. It had to be raised up, all right? So give it a positive spin. I like that better, all right? So I said, I'll interpret it that way then. But you imagine this, but the, the point of it is it says, look upon it. We want to look. And, and here's a pattern that they were going to be tested at. Were they going to look to God? You know, in their, in their time where now it's there, this is their thing that they're going to encounter. And maybe they didn't, they didn't see, they, they, didn't, they weren't at the Red Sea, but now they're at the Jordan River. What are they going to keep looking to God? We're going to, they're going to keep looking to God. That was a pattern. We're going to, were they going to keep an eye on God? And can they keep looking to God for direction and deliverance? And, and what the ark was, it wasn't simply, it was, it was the presence of God amongst them. But it wasn't simply that. What it was, it was a testimony of what God had done. It was a testimony. It was a, it was a memorial for that generation to pass on to the next generation so that they can know that God has been with them. And that's why, church, can I tell you that in your families, in, in your times where you, you open the Word of God, you relate it to perhaps a time that God did something for you. It's good for us to talk that way. It's not, it's, it, it ought to be something that, that we don't quickly forget those dealings of God in our lives. And if God brought you through something then don't just brag about it. Brag about the God who got you through it. The next generation and those that are now in our current time need to hear. You know, it can't just be that we just, well, take it for granted and go through it. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, Joshua and Caleb, they would have been speaking a lot about all that God had done, but the ark, the ark was there. The ark was a, was a, was a visible representation of all that God had done so far. And it was this encountering of this obstacle that they had another opportunity then to prove the pattern. Look to God. And I'll tell you, that's pretty sound advice when someone's going through. And they can see it, but they just need to get across. Don't just look across, look at God. That's pretty sound advice. And then, you know, they were also tested they were tested really when it came down to it on their dependence. What were they going to depend upon? You know, this wasn't as desperate. You know, sometimes when we hear stories from generations past, you know, the, the story my parents would tell me, I sort of shared it with you a little bit. My mom would have to, she would have to get up early, harvest some of the, the, plant, uh, some of the, the crops that she had planted in, the, uh, in their farm there to sell so that she could pay and and sometimes we hear those stories, and, and truth be told, when you really dig down, sometimes there's an exaggeration of that, right? I used to walk to school barefoot, three kilometers, and, and you know, all of that, you would say those stories. And, and what it was is they, they were, th these stories are meant to just remind us of, of what we're depending on. See, they, they told that story perhaps in, in, remind, in, in, in their story there was an army. In this story, they're not so much, but it was still a challenge. It was still an obstacle. It was still some trouble that they were going to encounter. But the, the, the pattern hadn't changed. They still needed to depend on God. They still needed to look to God. And so you might look at the current generation and you might look at that and, and you know, here's what I hear said. And it may be true. It may not be true. Well, this generation's soft. 
But you know what? The way they're going to encounter their challenges is the same way you did. It wasn't you, it was God. It was dependence. You still have to teach dependence on God. In verse 4, he says that, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way which ye must go. And here's the reality, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And listen, you may have gone down the, the journey of life a little bit, but this, this, this season, you've never gone through this before. Your season now, you've never been your age before. The things that you're going to go through, you've never been through before. You could look back and you could help the previous generation perhaps with some things, but here's what we need to tell them. We got through it because we're dependent on God. We got through it because we depended on God. You know, we've never, there was a time where you, you hadn't gone down that path yet, and what got you through was dependence on God. It was going to be a time where they were going to get, need to get dependent on God again. This was going to be the start of a running theme, actually, in their future exploits in the promised land. They needed to look to God. They needed to depend on God. And When they saw Jericho and its mighty walls, they needed to look to God. They needed to depend on God. When they fought Ai, they discovered very quickly that no obstacle was too small to depend on God. When they encountered those Gibeonites who pretended to be, and they made the mistake of not getting their counsel, from God, they had to be reminded again, you better look to God. Even if it's obvious. Even if it doesn't look too difficult. Even if it wasn't as difficult as yesteryears and yesterday's challenges, you better still look to God. And each obstacle is an opportunity to work the pattern again. And so it is, you know, as we face New challenges, whether they look familiar or not, whether it's in our direction, in, in deliverance, there needs to be a looking to and a dependence on God. We are to look to God when He moves, we move. When, when He stays, we stay, and we've got to be looking to follow God in every obstacle along the way. Right, we know the verses in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. You know, I, I, I'd hasten to guess that some of you woke up a little despondent today. A little like, oh, there's a big question mark about the future. Listen, there's no question mark because our future is God. Right? That, that's really where it's at. It hasn't changed. We look to God. We depend on Him. And yet what we find, secondly, as we think about this, you know what obstacles are? They're, they're opportunities, actually, to set ourselves apart for His use. But it's also a time for progress. See, this was a time for God to once again show Himself strong, but it was also a time when the people needed to pause and present themselves to God. You know what we do when we encounter a problem or something that gets in our way, perhaps, that, that God brings us to? You know, sometimes all we want to do is solve it. But actually, it's, it's a time where we can recommit again. It's a time where we're supposed to pause and just like the people here, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wondrous works. You know, it just seems to me that God's working isn't just, it's not, it's not actually in the circumstances of life, but in the forming of His people. He was forming something in them. Look at Luke chapter 5 with me. 
Luke chapter 5, and, and we see here a bit of a story that, again, there's some, a body of water involved, and here it was, it was Peter out there in the lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, it's all the same. Verse 2, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon Peter, uh, Simon answering said unto him, notice Simon's response, Master, we have toiled all night. He should know something about that. He is a professional fisherman. And I've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. So at his word. And when they had done, had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which was in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. That's every fisherman's dream, right? When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, Peter got it. He had toiled all night, and, and you know, in a bit hesitant, he says, Oh, as, at thy word, I'm going to do it. And suddenly, all of these, this multitude of fishes, and you know what God was more concerned about? The Lord Jesus, he wasn't concerned about feeding them. He was concerned about Peter's heart. He was concerned about what was happening in here. He was concerned about just helping him see that actually there's some unbelief and there's just a lack of faith perhaps, Peter, in your heart that needs to be dealt with. And, and oftentimes what God does, he brings us to a place where there's a bit of an obstacle and, and what he's actually doing, it's, it's actually about what he wants to do in here more than wants, what he wants to do out there. And when we encounter an obstacle, we, see it as an op- we ought to see it as an opportunity to present ourselves to God again. You know, here's what we want to do with an obstacle. Here's what we're going to do with a river crossing. We just want to get it out of the way. And God will. But, you know, before we do that, we better present ourselves to God. We better say, God, I want you to get the glory. God, I want you to, uh, Lord, here I am again. Use me during this time. Use me despite of me. And you know, too often we think about the circumstance without understanding perhaps what God is really doing. You face challenges in your life, you face obstacles, you face a hardship, something that, you know, seems to be in the way of you trying to reach God's will. Then you know what it, it is? It's a time to pause. It's a time to surrender. It's a time to give yourself over to God again. And the people, they were about to enter into a time where Think about it. they were going to, th- going to go through some battles. They, were, they, they needed to be a people that were dedicated for the long term. And they already encountered these 40 years and some were born in that time. But most needfully, at the start of this new beginning, they needed to just get back to a commitment to the Lord. You know, when I think about that, when we're going through a hardship, we just want to be alleviated of, of the hardship. But actually, it's a time where we ought to sanctify ourselves before the Lord our God. There'll be time we pause and say, Lord, I don't know what you want to do here, but here I am again. I'm for your use. 
Lord, use me to be a testimony. Use me to, to not only uh, go th- get through this, use me to, to see your work. And actually, obstacles bring us to a place, perhaps, of stepping up to the task at hand. You know, I think about the, the church here, and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And verse 1, we see here the giving of the Macedonians. And notice Paul's, Paul's um, perspective of this. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of the, their liberality. So they didn't have much, but they gave anyway. For to their power I bear record, and yea, beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Notice verse 5, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know, these churches saw the need of their brethren. They saw this obstacle, this challenge. You know what they did first? They didn't, they didn't just give. They gave themselves first. They, they set themselves apart to God first. And, and maybe you might see a need. Maybe you might see a burden that you can bear for someone else. Maybe there's an obstacle in your life that needs alleviating, but actually God's more interested in you and working in your heart and you giving yourself first to the Lord. You know, many times we can just try to go in our own strength, in our own way, and yet what God wants, He wants your dependence and He wants you. And what it is, is God might be giving you an obstacle, but it's also an opportunity for you to pause and give yourself over to the Lord again. But then lastly, what we see here is that these God-given obstacles, they're, they're a way forward, but also it gives each generation a marker to look to. Again, we read it earlier in in Joshua chapter 4, but it was to be a memorial. You know, we've had Anzac Day, and some of you, some of us, we went to some sort of Anzac Day dawn service, and right there at a memorial. What it is, it's a marker somewhere in in our community that speaks of the sacrifices of others, and a memorial helps us to reflect. A memorial helps us to be reminded about all that it took to get us to this point. And that's what God, in effect, was doing here with these 12 stones. He was a, it was a marker. You see, unlike Joshua and Caleb, who had seen the, the, the Red Sea crossing, unlike that current generation that saw all of those miracles through the wilderness and who had the ark that was to be a testimony, the next generation who were really going to be the ones conquering the land, they had nothing. You know, God isn't just working in yesteryear. God is working today. You believe that, church? And each generation needs to have an opportunity to see God work. And that's exactly what happened here. This Jordan River crossing was, was, had more to do with that coming generation to look at and to see something in the, in the, in the life that God had for them. And in, in this instance, it wasn't just even... You know, previously it was about testifying to those Egyptians who God is. 
No, this was internal. This was something for the next ones to come. And, you know, uh, we understand this. Each generation has its, its own challenges. The battles you fought and the battles you will fight and the obstacles you come across may not be the same, but there's going to be battles is what we know. There's going to be obstacles is what we know. Now, I understand, you know, we, we, we came through and, and, you know, there's some things that for us, for me as, and my family, there's some things that are familiar in ministry. Some things that reminded me, my, and, and again, I was, I was recalling this, recounting this to some this week. I was saying just something that it just seems to be that the pattern was the first week of September I started pastoring. And then my first Sunday here was the first week of September as well. There's just patterns that God does, and patterns it seems like there's some familiar ground. But it's not exactly, it's not the same. There's some things that my parents gave me advice about as we moved to another state. Some things that were familiar to them moving into a, a new country. They said, well, you ought to think about this and that. And they gave me good advice about it. It wasn't exactly the same. And so those, generation, uh, those generational challenges and those things that you go through in your time and in your lifetime, they don't come to nothing. You can pass that on somewhat. But don't forget, each one has a different, different, slightly different details. But each generation has its own challenges, but each generation has a way forward. Why? Because God's interested in what's next for you. God isn't just, He doesn't leave us in our place now. God has a what's next all the time. Right? What's next for us? What's next through the obstacle? What's coming up? And I love the verse in Psalm 37 verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. Right? Get through it so you can get to it. And they had to see the ark. They had to see that. But they also had to have those 12 stones as proof that God wasn't with them just yesterday. God was still with them today. And there might be something you're going through. There might be something that God gives us as a church that is our obstacles, our challenge. And listen... Listen, the, the challenge is, it shouldn't be something we, we, we shirk. It shouldn't be something we shrink away from. We should look at what God has already done, but we should look at what God is still wanting to do today. And we ought to look at that and we ought to go, look, I'm going to be up for the challenge. I'm going to take up the mantle. I'm going to go and I'm going to see God work. And, and this is what faith to faith is all about. And it can't be that we just keep looking for God's provision in years gone by. It can't be that we just look back and we're constantly look, talking about yesterday more than we're talking about today what God is doing. And we've got to take on our challenges, our obstacles that God gives us. Why? Because it's an opportunity to see His working in us in the present so that future generations have something to look to. Parents, what stories are you telling? Hey, those of us that have been in, in, in the faith for a little while, some of you who've been here a lot longer than I have, I want to know your stories. I want to hear what God has done in your life. I want to hear about what God has done in our church. Why? Because I want to, I want to look at those as a, a few mile markers to say that actually God is with us and God will continue to be with us.
You know, each generation has its own challenges, but each generation actually has an opportunity to make their own memorial. I want to tell you, maybe you're starting out in life and maybe you're looking at what's next in your life. Don't be afraid of God-given obstacles you have. Remember, they're for your making, not your breaking. And, and it'll embolden you, but it'll embolden others who will follow along, believing, trusting that God is able. And you know, they, they again, they passed over Jordan on dry ground, but what they encountered, again, was more to come. There were other things, and, and what, what, the, what they were able to have, though, they were able to look to some things to say, wow, God did that for me. Wow, God did this for that generation. God did this in our generation. And then those that would go and do, go fight the battles, they could look at that and look at, the, look at the, the faith of others so that they can exercise faith in their generation. And, and you know, church, God's not done. Do you believe that? God wants to continue to do a work in you. But God still wants to continue to do a work tomorrow. And then if the Lord tarries, if we're all well gone, the ones who will follow our footsteps. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord God, for the time that we have. Lord, just opening your word, just, again, just the, the joy of that, the, the pattern of that in our lives. And Father, I pray that you would just help us today to recognize the significance of times where you bring us to some real obstacles in our life and what, what's at really at stake. I pray firstly that you'd help us to present ourselves to you, that, Lord, you'd help us to sanctify ourselves for tomorrow you're going to do wondrous things. Then I pray that you would help us then to have a focus on just passing on the faith of, Lord, letting those that are following after us, Lord, letting them see that, that you're still at work, that, Lord, we're going to be dependent on you, that we're going to look to you, that, Father, that, that it still works, all of those, those things of the, of the Word of God. I pray that you'd play a, a place in our hearts, so just a, an importance of how we handle and how we would deal with it. And I pray that you would just do a work, Lord, even this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, and maybe those of you at home even could join in. When we take a bit of time, why don't we just reflect a little bit this morning as a piano can begin to play on what God has already done. Maybe there's some things that God's taking you through that you need to be sharing. You need to be encouraging others about who are maybe going through similar things, not exactly the same, but similar. Then maybe we would just steal ourselves for, for the task at hand and, and us as a generation, we would just sanctify ourselves even today. Maybe, maybe you're going through that and you've just, you need to take a bit of time saying, Lord, here am I. Lord, I present myself to you. And Lord, I want to be giving myself, committing myself to what you would have me to do and what you would have in this time. And however the Lord leads you as, as a piano plays, why don't you uh, just, just have some time with stillness before the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I want to challenge you. Please don't leave this place without knowing that Jesus is your Savior. You know, it's not about joining our church. It's not about being religious. It's actually simply just looking to God, looking at what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary and trusting in His sacrifice. 
The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And so I want to encourage you, don't leave this place without knowing. If you're listening online, you know, I, want to, I want to challenge you. you go to our website, baptist.com.au. There's a tab there for eternity, for salvation. Would you just click there and, and it'll show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. And so as the piano plays, why don't we do business with the Lord?